we are uh, we have finished Exodus, our series of Exodus, and we are beginning on this memorial uh, m- this Memorial Day week in Sunday, which by the way is one of those extra credit Sundays that you get a little bit of uh, extra like God's like oh yeah that's right I see who's there. Um, we, we begin a new series that will take us through the summer. It will start here on Memorial Day and finish in September Labor Day. I will be back. Uh, that will be my first Sunday back is to wrap this series up. Um, but in the meantime, what we will be doing is looking at the, uh, the physical, the, the spiritual act of healing. The physical side of it, the emotional side of it, the, the spiritual side of it, all of it. All of the things. This book is full of healings. There are so many healings in this. I mean, Old Testament, New Testament, throughout. It must be because God heals. It must be because God is a God who heals. There weren't just healings um, before Christ. There were healings during his ministry. There weren't just healings during his ministry. There were healings after he left as well. I know that there are people out there that believe in a theology that says miracles have stopped until Jesus comes back. These things will never happen. I don't stand there. I believe that when God said you will, when Jesus said you will do greater things than even I have done, he meant it. I believe that when God said, go out and be me to the world, he meant doing things like this. And so I believe healings still happen. Last week we finished um, Exodus 34. And it, it became clear to me that a line in there um, was setting us up for this Sunday um, at the 11 o'clock service. So y- y'all, y'all missed it. Um, but the line in there was, uh, you may remember, God said, I'm going to do these amazing things that have never been seen anywhere. And I'm going to do them through you. I mentioned that and I highlighted that line here at the, at the 930 service last week. But where I took it at 11 was a little bit further saying, OK, I, I now see because we were supposed to be talking about um, Exodus today. Also, building plans, speaking about um, uh, the building plans of, of the, the tabernacle. And it was going to fit in perfectly with me pitching this idea that we need a permanent stage here in New Heights um, and throwing that idea out. A conversation that started with the Board of Stewards and the executive committee. And, and I want to take it further. Um, one of those things where I just want to go, hey, we need a permanent stage. We need a building campaign and then leave for three months. Um, it's awesome. You know, <laughs> wow, I'm gone. Um, and uh, but, you know, David changes and we're doing this healing thing. And I was just like, oh, man. what? But then I saw where God was moving with this, because this healing stuff is how many of you are weirded out by healing? Raise your hand if it kind of weirds you out a little bit. OK, really? Just three of you. Um, I, I, I am. Because I can't explain it. And I like things that I can understand. I like things that I can explain. Um, But when I saw what God was doing here this summer of healing, and he finishes with Exodus 34, I'm going to do these amazing things through you. And we start with what we have today. Just is God moving. Where we start today is this. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. Several days later, Jesus returned to Capernaum, and the news of his arrival spread quickly through the town. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there wasn't room for one more person, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Four men arriving carrying a a paralyzed man on a mat. 
They couldn't get to Jesus through the crowd, so they dug through the clay roof above his head. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there said to themselves, "What? This is blasphemy. Who but God can forgive sins? Jesus knew what they were discussing among themselves, so he said to them, Why do you think that this is blasphemy? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or get up, pick up your mat and walk? I will prove that I, the Son of Man, have the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, take your mat, and go on home because you are healed. The man jumped up, took the mat, and pushed his way through the stunned onlookers. Then they all praised God. We've never seen anything like this before, they exclaimed. So here's what's happened in the book of Mark, in Mark's account of the, the ministry of Jesus. If you remember, Mark begins with the, the, uh, John the Baptist, then the baptism of Jesus, then the temptation, then he calls the disciples, and then he begins healing people. Jesus, in, in the Gospel of Mark, doesn't say very much. In, in Mark's account, Mark does not remember all of the things that Jesus said. A lot of them, yes, but not anything close to what Matthew and, and John and, and Luke do. What Mark focuses on is what Jesus does. And a lot of it is healing. So he begins with these healings. He, he uh, removes, a, casts out an evil spirit from someone. Then he goes uh, to Simon's house and, and he heals uh, his, his mother-in-law so that she can do what? Cook him dinner. I always love that. That's one of my favorite things. He's like, he heals her if she gets up and she cooks him dinner. I'm like, that's just great. Um, and, and then all these people hear about it and they bring other people to Simon's house for him to heal. And then he leaves there and he goes on this like preaching tour and, and he preaches the good news and he heals people. And it's just so huge. And then he comes home. Now, a lot of, a lot of scholars say that this was Jesus's house. When it says he comes home to Capernaum, that it, that it very well could have been Jesus's house that he came back to. So here you have Jesus in his own home and all of these people who have heard what's been going on in the region of Galilee are coming to hear from this rabbi. All of these people are coming to hear what this guy's talking about, to see what he's doing. And instead of telling us what he was saying, he said he was just preaching to them the word. He shows us. Now, what happens is because this huge crowd and interestingly, the ones who detest him the most are inside the room. If you notice all of these people are crowded there. So these guys carrying this, this paralyzed man, first of all, who doesn't move out of the way? If you have, you see four guys coming in, they're carrying a guy who's paralyzed. How do you not get out of the way? But they don't. So they find a way up onto the roof of the house. They dig through the clay tiles of the roof. You think there would have been a little bit of commotion. Like, that isn't something you just go, you know, you have to have kind of a bigger hole. And it would have been like, what's going You need to, hey, call the exterminator. We have something on the roof. And, and they make um, this hole and they drop the man down. And, and Jesus sees, what does it say? Their faith. It wasn't the faith of the man who was paralyzed that healed him. It was the faith of the four. It's a very interesting verse because what it does is it opens up the necessity of community. It reminds us of the importance of one another. 
The paralyzed man, I'm sure, wanted to be healed. Absolutely. Who would not want to be? But what happens is not that it was his faith that healed him. It was those four, his friends, who fought to get through everywhere, who got him up onto the roof, who dug through the roof, who lowered him into the thing, and who healed him. I know, I thought my voice kept disappearing. That was weird. It it was their faith. It's so great and important for us to remember that. So, so important for us to remember the fact that we need to carry the mat for one another. As we were discussing this um, in in pastor's meeting on Tuesday, a few things came into my mind. Um, One was this, this ministry called To Write Love on Her Arms. To write love on her arms is something Daryl has worn the T-shirt um, in here previously. And, but, but what it is, is this, it's this guy who was living in Orlando. And um, he came across a, a 19-year-old girl whose name was, is Renee. And Renee was a coke addict. And um, she found her, he found her one night um, after she had been up for 36 hours on cocaine, um, on alcohol, and something else. And, and she was abusing herself with razor blades. And he came in and he said, look, you need help. Let's, let's take you to a place where you can get help. And his friends and surrounded her and they prayed for her. And, and, and she writes a, a, a derogatory statement on her left forearm that I won't say here but it wasn't pretty, with a razor blade. So she cuts it into her arm. They load her into a car, and they take her to this um, facility. And the facility says, we can't help her. She's too far gone. And they turn her away. And so they decide that the five of them are going to be her rehab that night. And so they spend, I think, seven days or something like that with her. Loving her, reminding her that she is loved, that she was created by love to love and to be loved, that she was created by a God who thinks she is beautiful. Their mission was to write love on her arm. What a beautiful statement. And so during the course of that time, um, they, they, he said we fed her gallons of Starbucks and cigarettes and we prayed for her, and we sang with her, and we, um, they took her to an Orlando Magic game back when Dwight Howard was um, still playing with him. And, and then they took her to some concerts, and they just completely surrounded her. He said, we were her church. We were the body of Christ reaching out to her. And it got to a point at the end of this time where she was able to go into this rehab clinic, and, and she pulls the guy, the, the head guy who's in charge of all this aside, and she says, here, I don't need this anymore, and she hands him the razor blade. Because she had worth now. It wasn't the faith that she had in herself. It was the faith that they had in her. It, it wasn't because of anything, any drive that she had in herself. It was because of those friends that surrounded her and said, we're not going to let this happen. We have belief in a God who loves you. And you need to know that there is hope. And hope lives in you. And so they fought for her. And won. It was their faith. I don't know how many times, um, 
I have carried the mat for people. Part of the reason why today is what it is, but I don't know how many times um, specifically that I've carried the mat for my daughter. I don't know. um, I, I think every parent prays for their kids on a continual basis. But I was thinking about this just a moment ago. Um, I I feel like I've been praying um, for healing for her every day for seven years. Last night, two nights ago, uh, she woke up at 4.30 or something. I was not happy to be awake. Um, None of us were happy that she was awake. And, uh, and Corbin was awake too. It was like our whole family decided that it was time for us all to wake up at 4.30. And so we separated and, and Jenna took the boy and, um, and I took Gracie and, um, and, and I went and I ended up just sleeping with her in her, in her twin bed. Um, and she is like her mama, a, a bed hog. Uh, I'm just like, this. I'm like, do you see how big I am? Um, but one of the things I was doing as I was sitting with her, uh, there is I was just, I was, Carrying the mat. I was praying so much that God would just open up this dam and let words come forth. I I just was, I mean, I've prayed a lot for that. But I was just so, God, do it now. I'm clawing through the roof, God. I asked her to say, I love you. And seriously, this one too? And she didn't. Say, I love you, Grace. Nothing. I asked her to say um, some other stuff. And nothing. But that's not going to make me stop carrying the mat. That's not going to cause me to stop. I'm going to continue to fight through the crowds. I'm going to continue to climb on the roof. I'm going to continue to destroy Jesus' house because I want to get in there. I'm going to continue to carry the mat for her until she can pick up someone else's. I think that's the beautiful thing about it is that we are all called to carry the mat at times, and then sometimes we're called to get on board. I told the worship team um, right before the service, I said, I have this great idea for a sermon. And Daryl's like, good, because we're going to need one in about 15 minutes. Um, I said, uh, hey, you know the rug that's out there on the stage? Let's bring it back, and when it's time for me to preach, I'm going to get on top of the rug, and y'all carry me out. You can see who won. So, so um, I thought it was a great idea. Uh, but there are times when we need to get on the mat and to allow others to carry us. This summer, what I, what I see happening are a couple of things. Um, one Tuesday, I, I told the pastors, I, I said, um, thank you for carrying the mat for me. This summer is a summer where I'm getting on the mat. And there will be pastors who are a part of our community, Scott, David, Daryl, Casey, all these people who are coming and are picking the mat up. 
and clawing in the roof because I don't have the strength to do it. What I want for all of us this summer is to realize that sometimes we have to get on the mat and that sometimes we need to carry it. And and I have no idea what the coming sermon topics are going to be. I know they're about healing, but I have to be honest with you, I have purposefully not looked at them. I don't know what's going to happen this summer. But what I long for is that this community, that our church community, understands that healing happens, but it happens through community. A big part of it is is when we stand together. A big part of it is when we gather together in the name of Jesus and we say, this is not going to happen anymore. A big part of it is when we hear the words of Christ when he says, on earth as it is in heaven, let's bring that power of heaven down. Let's stand together and say that healing happens and healing will happen. That maybe when we go to England, it just is the fact that Grace speaks in an English accent and no one around here does. And she is waiting for the appropriate time to begin to speak that way. I love you, Father. Maybe... This summer is a summer. My plan for this summer is on September 1st for me to come back and for y'all to tell me the healings that happened this summer. It's for me not to talk about what happened for us, but it's for me to come back and to wrap up the healing service by celebrating the healings that have happened throughout the summer. That's my prayer, is that we realize that we can do amazing things through the power of Jesus Christ. That we have the ability to heal and that we're not afraid of it and that we're not afraid to step up to the plate and to pray for healing and for it not to happen. I had this talk with Corbin the other day about baseball and striking out. Son, the guys who hit the most home runs strike out the most. They know that they have the power to knock it over the fence, but they're not afraid to miss a few balls. When you have belief and faith in Jesus Christ, you step up to the plate and you swing. And you might not hear I love you yet, but you keep swinging. You keep stepping up. You keep carrying the mat. I got to tell you, I told Meniski there's no way I could do this series on healing. I would cry the entire summer. It would be horrible. No one would like it. There's a great reason I'm going to be gone because Kleenex and just the ugly cry in my beard and it would just be, never mind. I had to go down a different road there. I was losing it. So the worship team's coming up. Um, and we're going to close with, I have no idea what they're doing. I didn't hear their rehearsal this morning. Um, We're going to close with um, another song. And today is the first day when we step up to the plate and we start swinging. Um, The prayer teams, are the Patricks here? Nope. Ryan, is that you in the back? Nope. Good gracious, I can't see a thing up here. What is happening? Um, 
If anyone is a, a, a feels called, I don't see any of our prayer team members here. This is great coordinating. This is wonderful. This is great. Jeff, Sarah, you all want to stand up? Jeff's like, nope, Sarah. Um, Debbie, you want to go over there? I'll stand over there with you. Um, today is um, today's the first day when we start swinging, when we start asking for healing, when we are not afraid of it, when we hear um, these words from the Gospel of Mark, that it was their faith that healed. Maybe you need to come up and ask for healing for yourself. Maybe you know someone that needs to get on a mat. Whatever it is, um, today is the day we begin the summer of healing. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the gift of life that you've given us. God, we thank you so much that you heal. We thank you so much for the examples in the text of your healing. For all sorts of calamities, God, your hand moves. You heal. God, we pray that as we enter into this summer, that we would be open to the movement of your spirit, that we would be open to your power, that we would be open to healing, that we would expect healing. God, we pray for courage and strength to step up to the plate and to swing because you heal. In the name of Jesus, amen.